marble machine. Hi, listeners. I'm just taking out the third yin-yang green marble. Tim found out that the marble machine has a cooling pocket that keeps the marbles as fresh as possible, especially if they're a part of an older and longer story such as this one. We will get right to part three in a minute. Oh yeah, the machine told Tim and I to bring futon mattresses and sleep next to it in the attic. Our heads must always face the glowing belly of the machine. Since I started sleeping next to the machine in this way, I wake up feeling full of energy, but strangely enough, completely empty of thoughts. As if the machine is draining my head of ideas. Huh. Tim says I'm paranoid. I'm not. I don't mind the thoughtless energetic state I'm in these mornings. I'm just observing and sharing it with our listeners. <sighs> Tim says that you, dear listeners, don't want to hear every one of my stupid thoughts. <laughs> and that I should get on with the story. Well, I wonder what crawled up his ass and died, listeners. <laughs> oh yeah, Tim? Well, good that you heard it. Why are you so worked up anyway? Did I do something wrong? Oh yes, uh, I did forget that. Tim's right. I didn't feed the machine any new ideas. We've got them all neatly arranged in different colored bottles in a wooden shelf. Yeah. I'm sorry, Tim. My bad. That means don't worry, be happy. That's a nice one for our listeners to learn. Could you repeat that again? Okay, I will feed the machine the new ideas right after we hear the third part of the Marble Keeper. I'm holding the marble in my hands already. Okay, folks, here we go. The Marble Keeper Written and narrated by Jacob Graff. Recorded and edited by Tim Höfer. Chapter 5 Sweat was still running down her cheek and forehead when Claudia woke. From all the dreams she had seen before in the other marbles, this one had been by far the most intense. The first thought that came to her mind was that she would fulfill her grandfather's last dream, no matter what. She sat up in bed. Soon her mother would wake her for school, but not today. There was no way she was going to school after what she had just seen. A thought suddenly jumped to her mind. I have a fairy grandmother, Claudia gasped. The only way for her to fulfill her grandfather's dream was to find out if her grandmother was still alive, and if she was to bring Tora Le Fay her grandfather's marble. There was but one problem. Tora didn't exactly live around the corner. How on earth was she going to get to a place that no one really believed existed? Not even her grandpa had believed in fairy before he had seen it with his own eyes. Claudia thought she probably needed to find a wizard or some magical being that was strong enough to open a way into fairy. Too bad for her, 
Witches and wizards didn't exactly wander around everywhere, giving out free rides. Claudia sighed and took her grandfather's marble. She decided to leave the house before her parents woke and left them a note that she had set out to fulfill her grandfather's dream. For all Claudia knew, her next step was to travel to some faraway sea where she would somehow have to find the point where her grandfather had crossed over into fairy many, many years ago. There were, however, two very important things that Claudia couldn't possibly have known at this point. The first was that, unlike her mother, who had inherited no magic at all, Claudia had inherited the gift of magic not only from her grandfather's, but from her grandmother's side too. And inheriting fairy magic by blood meant that she had the gift to open a path into fairy from anywhere in the world. The second thing Claudia couldn't possibly have known was that not only time, but space too, acts differently in fairy. So if, for example, you enter fairy from one point, walk just a few steps while you're there, and then go back to our world, you could end up in a whole different country. Unaware of these facts, Claudia walked down the street and looked a bit lost in her dark green rubber boots, her dark green raincoat, with her dark curly hair peeking out of her hood. Ready to be led thousands of miles away, she marched outside of the house and all the way across the street to the bus station from which her school bus picked her up every day. You can imagine how surprised she was when her heart magic suddenly got in touch with her and told her to stop right there and cross over into fairy by getting onto the school bus. It was like an inner voice and Claudia tapped her chest to check if that inner voice was somehow broken, but there was no doubt that it kept telling her to stand still until the school bus arrived. The bus stopped and Claudia hopped on. Now jump through the moving door in front of you, her heart spoke, and the next moment the bus door suddenly made a weird sound and the door swung open. Claudia stared at the bus door nervously. The other kids on the bus started screaming and telling the bus driver to stop. One thought chased another, and Claudia's heart kept beating louder, and she felt it scream, Jump! Jump! Now! Or you'll miss it! If her heart was wrong, she was about to do something very stupid, she thought. And then she flung herself out of the moving bus. Expecting to hit the road and break her legs, she let out a scream, but her feet hit absolutely nothing. And much to her surprise, Claudia fell through empty space for several seconds before she landed on something soft and furry. Whatever she had landed on, it was moving fast and she had to hold on to the furry bundles of hair around her so she wouldn't lose balance. Just when she was beginning to feel a little sick from the bumpy ride, her fur taxi decided to stop, but that didn't make things better because now the ground underneath her feet decided to change from a horizontal into a vertical position. Standing on a steep slope, Claudia lost balance and started sliding downwards across the fur, hitting muddy, wet ground as her fall ended. A little confused, yet unhurt, Claudia got back onto her feet, straightened herself, and brushed the mud off her raincoat. Claudia turned around and stared in shock at the whale-sized gerbil on which she had just taken a wild rodeo ride. Suddenly, a fearsome growling noise thundered through the air and made Claudia and the gerbil jump at the same time. The gerbil, obviously more aware of the danger, looked down at Claudia with its large, egg-shaped eyes and then fled into the bushes. 
Claudia decided that the gerbil probably knew what it was doing and headed after it through the bushes into a jungle-like vegetation. The growls came closer and soon she heard little twigs and branches cracking behind her. Whatever the thing was that was following her, she didn't want to find out what was going to happen if it caught up. Without giving it another thought, she saw what looked like a bunch of rabbit holes in the woodwork and hid inside the nearest one. Taking a peek outside from her hideout, she saw two huge tigers with red flaming eyes slowly stalking towards her. One of them leaped right over her head and dug its snout into the dirt of the hole next to her, sniffing furiously. The two huge cats looked around for a while and then decided to sit down right in front of Claudia's rabbit hole. She watched, never taking her eyes off them. And while she wondered how she could get out of this alive, something awkward happened. The smaller tiger's muscles began to twitch and its ears started to change shape. The fur on them simply disappeared and they became more human-like, only a little pointier at the top. Next, the tiger stood up on his back legs and instead of losing its balance, its hip and thighs twitched too, making it stand upright. Moments later, the whole tiger had turned into a young man, though his teeth and snout never changed completely, leaving a wild, feline touch to his face and a pair of pointed canines that showed in his mouth whenever he spoke. Also, bits of tiger fur remained on his chest, wrists and waist, making him look like some sort of tribal warrior, which, Claudia cleverly concluded, he probably was. He will punish us for this, the tiger warrior snarled at the other, who then too began to take on a human form. The second tiger warrior was bigger, more muscular and obviously older than the first. And it would be his right to do so, the older one growled back. We have dishonored our court. We were assigned to capture the mortal witch, and now we have lost her scent. She just disappeared and made her smell vanish too. We can't return to our king with empty hands. We must flee, the younger one suggested. Fool! I would rather die than betray my king. I should rip out your throat for the mere thought. We will find the witch and bring her to our king. I'm... I'm not staying in this dreaded swampland. You know the stories. The nightmare lights are upon these lands. If the mortal witch wants to stay here, fine with me. Let her die. And if she walks north, the king's guard will find her anyway. He even set guards in the high fields at... Shut your snout! The older one snapped. The witch might be listening. Are you trying to help her avoid our guards? Claudia's heart stopped for a beat when she heard the two tiger warriors arguing about her. The nightmare lights have killed more than just two of us, the smaller one said. I say we leave this place before, before we are next. Rumors have it that not even the White Queen knows where the lights came from or what they are. Rumors also have it, the elder one replied sharply, that the Fae of the Tiger Court are known to be brave warriors who fear nothing under the sky. But when I look at you... I think that I am better advised by not believing everything people say. You are still young, but that doesn't excuse you being a coward. I am not a coward, but how shall I fight an enemy I cannot see? Simple. We don't fight him at all. Our orders were to bring the mortal witch to our king, not to fight some flickering lights in the dark. Here is what we will do. We will turn over every leaf in this damn swamp until we find her. Now search!
Claudia didn't dare move a muscle until the tiger warriors had gone out of sight. While she still thought about all she had just heard and wondered why the tiger warriors had lost her scent, a little green light appeared in the back of the hole. She didn't notice it until it was right behind her, but when she did, she let out a scream that could have shattered glass. Shh, shh, don't scream, little witch. No, bad things might hear you. A little tiny voice whispered. What are you? Claudia asked, lowering her voice. Oh, boy. The voice whispered again. Lucky for you, milady witch, that I was there. Pimpkin's me name. Very honored. In front of her stood a small little fellow with chubby cheeks, huge round eyes, bushy dark eyebrows, and a funny pointed hat. He carried a brown bag around his shoulders and held a green lantern in his right hand. Shining its light right into Claudia's face, he curiously examined her from head to toe. Claudia shaded her eyes against the light of the lantern and got a little calmer as she saw that the sweet little guy holding the light was only barely as tall as her knee and seemed rather harmless. Uh, who are you? she asked, keeping her voice down. Uh, Pimpkin Slimbottom of the Wood Elflings, Milady Witch, the small man answered, taking off his hat, in a deep bow. At your service. The big cats can get quite annoying around these here parts, especially when one is uncareful. But what one has to fear more is the new enemy that has befallen our lands. The new enemy? Claudia asked. Why, yes. But you wouldn't know, would you? Don't know much about them myself, only that they call themselves the Nightmare Lights. But I can assure you that here, in my caves, we're safe from everything that lurks outside. Thank you, sir, Claudia said politely. You, you live here? In these, uh, caves? Oh, well, sometimes, yes. Pimpkin's magic grotto is what I call it, actually. Put a spell on the place myself. Bought it straight from the river hag the last time I went to see her. The spell makes anyone who comes near the grotto lose orientation and sense of smell. Oh, silly me, I bet you knew that. I mean, being a powerful witch of the mortal world and all that. Well, anyway, hooray for the river hag that the silly cats didn't find you. Tis a handy trick she sold me there, must give her that. Saved my life a couple of times. But if I had known that I was going to receive the long-awaited witch of the mortal world as my guest tonight, I, 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 I mean, I would have cleaned the place or something. Then Pimpkin held his hands to his mouth, as if he had just noticed that he had done something very stupid. Oh, oh, oh no. I, I told you my name first, didn't I? I, perhaps you have already used it to make me your slave for all eternity. Pimpkin, you fool! I always knew Miss Silly Mouth would get me into trouble some day. But I am no witch, Claudia insisted. I'm a girl. Well, I mean, I think I have a fairy grandmother. Oh, and my grandfather was a marble keeper, if you know what that is, when he still lived. He showed me that I have a gift for seeing magic, but I... Uh, I have no idea how to enslave anyone or anything. I promise. Pimpkin's eyes widened. Promise? A promise, you say? He asked skeptically. Yes, a promise, Claudia repeated. A promise? Pimpkin yelped happily. A promise? The strongest proof there is to see if spoken words are true. 
The Lord of the Wood Elflings always said, If you want to know if someone's telling the truth, make them promise it. Not even the White Queen herself could break a promise, he said, happily jumping about. So you truly aren't a witch, are you now? And I'm not going to be your slave for all eternity then? Um, no, Claudia said, smiling back at him. But you asked me if I needed help. Um, I do, actually. I have to get to the dancing fay of the Unicorn Court. Do you know them? I have to get there as fast as possible. Do you know the way by any chance? Know the way? <laughs> I could find the Unicorn Court if the tiger scratched both me eyes out. You could? Well, that's great. I mean, um, would you help me? It would be my honor, Milady Claudia. Just as you have given me yours, I shall give you my word by promising you to not only show you the way, but to accompany you there safely. Oh, why, thank you so much. You're too kind, Mr. Slimbottom, Claudia said and bent down to give the little wood elfling a hug. Please, please, my lady Claudia, do call me Pimpkin. But before I show you the way, let me teach you a few things about fairy. You should be very careful about talking to people and telling them your real name. Fairies can do all sorts of dark magic with someone who speaks their name out loud in front of them. Uh, I don't know anything about dark magic. Oh, but believe me, dark magic knows everything about you. After all, you are the mortal witch that all of fairy has been waiting for. You mean that you knew I was coming to fairy? Oh, of course I knew. I knew, but not just I knew it. Also the forests and the flies knew it. All of the little lights in the skies knew it. Even the old dwarfs and their ugly wives knew it. And then the shadows and all their lurking eyes, they knew it too, you see. But as always, Her Majesty knew it first, of course. She spread the word to everyone and everything. She? Claudia asked. Pimpkin came close and made Claudia bend down, and then he whispered in her ear. Why, the queen of air and darkness, of course. The queen of all queens. Queen Mab. The wood elfling shuddered when he spoke the name, and he told Claudia that the word had spread years ago that a mortal witch would come to fairy, and that her coming would bring great changes. Rumors had it that you would appear in the lands of the tiger court, Pimpkin continued. And so the Tiger King has sent his warriors out to capture you. Why does he want to capture me? The wood elfling looked thoughtful at the green light in his lantern for a moment. Hmm, that's odd. Come to think of it, I have never asked myself why. He's the king of the tiger court. He dances tribal dances, hunts and captures things and kills them sometimes too. I suppose it's just what he does, my lady. Uh, and this queen, Mab, you say... What did she say was to be done with me when I arrive? Oh, hush now, milady. You, you must listen to me. Please be careful when speaking names out so freely. The Queen's is the last name you would want to speak out loud. You use her name too often, and she might think you're speaking it to cast a spell on her. And that would catch her attention. Believe me, you don't want to catch the White Witch's attention. We mostly call her the White Queen when we speak about her. Um, okay, so uh, what what has this White Queen ordered the rest of Fairy to do when I arrive? The White Queen is not the type who would give direct orders like that to, 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 to other Fairy Queens or Kings. She's too clever for that. She just spread the news about your coming to show everyone that she was the first to know about you. Such knowledge 
secures her position as the most powerful being in all of fairy. While they walked through the narrow passages of his magic grottoes, Pimpkin the wood elfling told Claudia more of fairy and of the kings and queens and magical creatures that lived there. He told her that Queen Mab resided in a beautiful castle made of ice and snow, somewhere high up in the northern mountains. He told her about the shy lords, the highest fairy warriors, and how they have protected the White Queen for thousands of years. And he told her about the beautiful islands of the Southeast Sea, where the water was so blue and clear that you could see sunbeams shine right down to the golden sand. Claudia was so enhanced by all of those beautiful stories that at one point she lost all feeling for time and space. And, and the giants in the Western Highlands are much friendlier than their reputation, Pimpkin continued. Just don't make fun of their accent if you ever meet one. Pimpkin took a deep breath, as if he was about to begin another story. So sorry, Sir Pimpkin, Claudia interrupted him before he could begin again. But I feel a little lost. We must have been walking for hours. More than that, Milady Claudia. This is part of the magic that runs through my caves. Not only do they make anyone but me lose orientation, but they can also make you walk without fatigue or hunger or thirst. We have traveled for two days now, milady. I believe that we have come far enough now to risk a little glimpse of what's going on outside. Chapter 6 I will get a fire going and after supper we shall have some rest. Pimpkin led Claudia out of an opening and into the evening sun. They were still inside the woods, although the woodwork wasn't so jungle-like anymore. Pimpkin gathered some firewood and came back to cook a soup with roots and berries. Wood elfling skilly, my favorite dish, Pimpkin said, handing Claudia a pot from out of his little brown bag and poured some of the hot liquid inside it. The soup tasted a little sour and made her sleepy. When she woke, Pimpkin was sitting by the fire preparing breakfast. How long was I asleep? she asked. Oh, Long enough to regain your strength, Milady Claudia. We're close to the River Hag's territory now, Pimpkin said, bringing Claudia another cup of soup. The River Hag? Claudia asked. Pimpkin told her that Grimalda the River Hag was a witch that was quite skilled in brewing potions of all sorts, and that he wanted her to make a potion that would make him and Claudia invisible, so that they could get to the border of the Unicorn Court without anyone seeing or smelling them. My caves don't lead all the way to the Unicorn Court, but I think Grimalda's magic should do the trick for the rest of the way. After breakfast and another long walk, they finally reached a clearance in the woods. A little river with black water ran past them, and right next to the river there stood a little stone cottage. Pimpkin told Claudia to take a rest by the trees while he went to see if Grimalda was willing to help them. When Pimpkin returned, he seemed very concerned. What's wrong? Claudia asked. Grimalda. Grimalda will help us, Pimpkin said, keeping his voice low. And that's bad? Pimpkin told Claudia that Grimalda would only help them if in turn Claudia would let her keep one of her memories. Just one memory didn't seem like an awfully bad thing to lose, Claudia thought, but Pimpkin thought otherwise. No, taking memories is black magic. I have no idea what Grimalda has in her mind, but I've heard that losing a memory can make a person go mad. Claudia thought about this for a moment and then decided that she would only accept the offer if she could be the one choosing the memory. 
Okay, but remember, Milady Claudia, Grimalda is dangerous. Maybe not pure evil, not evil to the bone, you know, but definitely very dangerous. Claudia followed Pimpkin into the river hag's cottage and found herself standing in a big room with shelves and little wooden boxes arranged all around the stony walls. Everything was packed with flasks and potions and other magical curiosities. In the middle of the room, there stood three tables and two fireplaces. The bigger one of them had a small fire going and a cauldron with some bubbling hot liquid cooking on the stove. Grimalda stood in the far corner of the room, her hunched back making her seem even shorter than she already was. Ah, the mortal witch, Grimalda said facing the cauldron. Do come close now, dear. I have made a potion that you must drink so that I can choose one of your memories. Tis nearly ready now, my dear, she said with a voice that sounded like an old rusty door hinge. Do come and take a look, if you please. Grimalda turned to greet them. Her face was covered with some sort of bony bird mask, and she nearly stabbed Claudia with its beak when she greeted her. The White Queen never said anything about the mortal witch being a child, she said and turned to Pimpkin, who just shrugged his shoulders and said nothing. Um, Mrs. Grimalda, Claudia began. Yes, my dear. We, well, I, I'm actually in kind of a hurry, and... Ah, ah, yes, 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 of course. Mortal habits. Always in lack of time, aren't you? Yes, 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 now let me see. Ah, there. The spell is almost ready, she said, taking a spoonful of gooey green liquid from inside the cauldron and passing it to Claudia. Here, drink this, little mortal child. Claudia traded a glance with Pimpkin. Only if I get to choose the memory I want to give you, she said. Grimalda shook her head, cackling. Ha! <laughs> that, I am afraid, is not what we had agreed on, she said, turning around to pour the spoonful of potion back into the cauldron. Well, have a nice journey back and do be safe. Wait, Claudia said. What if we choose together? Hmm, Grimalda thought for a little while. That I reckon we could do. And you must promise not to use your magic to harm Pimpkin or me, Claudia insisted. Now, why would you think I would want to harm you or the little one? Grimalda asked, grinning suspiciously. Promise it, Claudia said again. Fine, fine. I promise not to use any spell that will hurt you or the wood elfling. But I will have to add another ingredient to your potion if we choose the memories together. She went over to one of the shelves and came back with a glass jar containing some kind of dark liquid. Weaver's blood, Pimpkin whispered as Grimalda poured it into the potion. That's black magic too. Oh, come on now. Don't be too fussy about colors, Grimalda said, grinning. What does it do? Claudia asked. Uh, that depends on the other ingredients in the potion, my dear. This one might give you a little headache and some minor delusions. Nothing to worry about. Then the river hag took a big spoonful of potion and gave it to Claudia. Now, be a good girl and drink up. 
Pimpkin looked even more worried than before, but Claudia just thought of her grandfather, closed her eyes and gulped down the potion. Strangely, instead of feeling the substance make its way down her throat and into her stomach, she felt the liquid travel upward and spread out right into her head. It's working! Claudia heard Grimalda shout, and as soon as she opened her eyes, her vision blurred, so that now she was seeing not one, but two Grimaldas staring back at her with devilish smiles on their faces. The effect of the potion grew stronger within seconds, making Claudia drift off into a strange, magical dream. Soon, she found herself sitting alone at the table in Grimalda's cottage. Her head was aching badly, and it felt as if some rotten root was growing inside of it. Strange thoughts of a bad world came to her mind, and something told her that the rotten thing that felt so wrong inside of her was causing these thoughts. She felt a sudden urge that the bad root needed to be ripped out if anything sensible should ever grow inside of her head again. Clinging onto it with her mind, she grabbed hold of it and tore it out with a scream. She opened her eyes and to her surprise, she found herself facing an ugly grayish lump with arms and legs and the shape of a giant walnut sitting in front of her on the other side of the table. Oh yeah, smart move, buddy. Just rip me out and blame it all on me, the thing said with a sulky voice. What are you? Claudia asked a little disgusted. What am I? Oh now, come on. That's just insulting. I'm your brain, kid. But go ahead. Just act as if you don't know me. It's not like I've been in your head for the past 13 years. Claudia's brain said. The brain folded its arms and bent forward to the speechless Claudia. Look, I understand that all my thinking is hard on you sometimes, especially because you're a child and all. But hey, cut me some slack here. It's not like I've got an easy job, kid. You're my brain? Why aren't you in my head? Claudia asked, baffled. Uh, well, technically I still am. This is just an illusion, you know. I'm making you believe I'm not a part of you so that you can sit here and talk to me. Makes sense, doesn't it? You can do that? Hell yeah. I'm a real multitasker. Truth is that in this very moment I'm not only asking myself if it's right to sit here and speak to you, I'm also debating on the meaning of right and wrong, dealing with the issues of growing up, the loss of a grandfather, the fact of being thrown out into a magical word that makes no sense at all, and, as if that weren't enough, I'm having a hard time not to go insane because you decided to swallow poison given to you by some old lady that claims to be a witch. Um, yes, I'm sorry, that does sound like a lot of work. Well, glad you appreciate it. You see, I'm the one under pressure here. Every little tiny bit that gets your attention in life gets passed right down to me. Matter of fact, all the things you don't bother giving your attention to, they get passed down to me too. And then I filter the whole load for you. Seriously, I'm like a giant freaking rubbish bin. You cover me in heaps of junk and in the middle of it all, you expect me to find the meaning of life for you. Sheesh, and you're only 13. There's going to be an awful lot more whining about why you're here, who you are, and all that sort of crap coming at me in the future. Believe me, I know it. I'm your freaking brain. Gosh, I could just go on complaining for ages and ages and ages, but, but I shouldn't. You want to have a look at what I got for you. All your neat little memories, huh? Um, sure, yeah, I, I guess that's why I'm here, Claudia said, a bit confused. Great. Well, let's get rid of some of these meaningful memories then, shall we? You don't think it's a good idea, right? Me? Oh, no, I think it's a great plan. I mean, throw out some memories. Hooray! Less work for me in the archive. 
Memories are way overrated anyway. Uh, they are? Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, so many things are. Giving names to things, for example. <laughs> overrated. Overrated. Like, totally. Take the seed of a plant. I make you call it seed, right? What grows out of that seed? I make you call a plant, or a flower, or a tree. Then the tree gets chopped down, and I make you call the result of that wood, or chair, or table, or shelf, or paper. But in the end, it's all just seed. So what's the point in all these other names? I'll tell you, there is none. You get what I mean? In the end, you become part of the earth, that the seed came out of anyway, and pfft, I don't know. So why not call everyone seed? I mean, it's obvious, giving names to things is just a great big joke. A world without words would be... Um, shouldn't we be talking about my memories? Claudia said, interrupting her brain. Oh yeah, sorry kid, I get carried away sometimes, okay. <sighs> Let's give a memory away. You seem unsure, kid. Hey, let me help you, the brain said, showing Claudia the memory of the first dream she had ever seen inside a magic marble. No, no, Claudia shouted, I could never give that away. Something smaller, maybe, that I, that I don't think about so often. Done. The brain said instantly and showed her the memory of some schoolboy Claudia had long forgotten and how she saw him kick a can into a litter bin. Inacceptable! Grimalda's voice suddenly shrieked from out of nowhere. This memory means nothing to you. Find me a more meaningful one. It continued like that for quite some time. The brain kept searching and showing more memories while Claudia and Grimalda debated which ones could be acceptable for both of them. Finally, they agreed on a memory. It was the memory of her encounter with the tiger warriors when she first arrived in fairy. She let Grimalda have it, thinking that Pimpkin knew so much about the tiger fairies anyway that if she needed to know anything, she could always ask him. The effect of the potion faded and Claudia woke from her dream. Pimpkin stood by her side, looking at her with big, worried eyes. Everything okay, me lady Claudia? We can leave as soon as you feel better. Grimalda has already fulfilled her side of the deal, Pimpkin said, waving two little bottles containing a light blue liquid. Then he turned to the river hag. So these will hide us from anyone and anything until we reach the high fields, right? Grimalda nodded. The high fields? Claudia asked, still feeling a little dizzy. Yes, the high fields in the neutral ground that separates the tiger kingdom from that of the unicorn court. But wouldn't it be better to have a potion that would hide us until we get all the way to the gates of the unicorn castle? Claudia asked. Oh, it would, Grimalda said, but such a potion would take days and weeks to prepare. The high fields have a different magical aura. It would need a more complex spell to hide you there. But don't worry, the neutral grounds are usually a safe place. No fights or guards or anything on them for over 50 years now, my dear. Grimalda looked at Claudia with emotionless eyes. Pimpkin nodded, confirming that the river hag had not lied. And then the witch handed Claudia some strange black beans. Eat these, my darling, she said. Claudia traded a glance with Pimpkin, who nodded, and a few seconds after having chewed down the first bean, she felt perfectly awake and strong enough to tear trees from their roots. After eating the beans, Pimpkin and Claudia left the river hag, 
And again, Pimpkin led her back into the grotto, this time taking a different turn, leading them north and into the unicorn court. I don't like her, Claudia said. Yes, the old hag was in a strange mood, Pimpkin said. I would swear it by the eldest Slimbottom. She's got some rotten scheme on her sinister evil mind. Uh, the memory she took, Claudia thought. I wanted to ask you about it. I think it was something you must know. But I can't remember. Well, of course you can't. That's because Grimalda is good at what she does. If she took a memory, I'm sure there's absolutely no trace of it left in you. Now let's look on the bright side of things and not worry about what we can't change anyway. You do remember where we're heading though, right, Milady Claudia? Of course, Claudia said. We have to find the Unicorn Queen's castle as fast as we can. Pimpkin nodded happily and darted away through the narrow passages of the grotto, until at one point they reached a dead end. That's as far as they go. We'll have to continue through the woods from here, he said, handing Claudia one of Grimalda's little bottles. Strange, I can't remember from what the potion is supposed to hide us, Claudia realized. Pimpkin stopped. You don't remember that the tiger warriors are all over the place looking for you? The what? Claudia asked. The Tiger King's guard, tiger warriors, dancing fae of the tiger court. They want to capture you. Ring a bell? Claudia shook her head. Well, guess we just got very close to finding the memory Grimalda took from you. I have no idea why, but it seems that she erased the tiger court from your head. Wait, wait, Claudia said. I remember the Unicorn Queen talk about a king of tigers in my grandpa's dream. I think she was scared that a war might start between her court and theirs. Well, sounds like something that would concern the Queen of Unicorns. The two courts haven't exactly been cuddling up on each other recently. It wasn't always this bad between them. Long ago, the Tiger King and the Unicorn Queen were actually very close. Lovers even, some say. But then the Unicorn Queen wanted to make peace between all the three courts of the Dancing Fae. But the Tiger King stayed stubborn because of his feud with the Lord of the Dragon Court. Ah, and to make a long story short, the Unicorn Queen threatened the Tiger King that if he wouldn't make peace arrangements with the Dragon Court, she too would turn away from him. So as they say, love turned to hate, and since six decades the courts have been at the edge of war. For sixty years? Claudia asked. Sixty years, yes. Sixty years is not much time for immortals, Milady Claudia. Tell me about the Tiger Court. If that is really the memory Grimalda took from me, I want to know all about them. Well, good thought, Milady Claudia, but drink your potion first, and we should whisper, because the big cats hear almost as good as they smell, and unfortunately Grimalda's potion doesn't make us unheard. Having said that, Pimpkin drank his share of the potion, and in the next moment he was gone. Claudia emptied her bottle too, and just before she swallowed the last drop, she felt something grab her hand. There you go. Shouldn't lose each other now, Pimpkin's voice whispered, as Claudia too became invisible. Pimpkin took the lead and told Claudia all that he knew about the tiger court. They marched till the sun went down and slept beneath thick bushes that kept them warm during the night. Before the sun set the next morning, they were already on their way again. They hadn't gotten very far when a group of five tiger warriors suddenly crossed their way. We should have fought their kind off of our lands a long time ago, one of the tigers suggested. 
I don't even know why the king tolerates wood elflings living in his kingdom anyway. They're like a plague, and all they do is disobey our laws. Yes, said another, but the laws of old protect them. Driving them off our lands would be just the same as directly insulting the White Queen. Well, they have insulted us too. The king's order was to bring the mortal witch to him, not hide her inside their caves underneath the earth. Pimpkin and Claudia stood dead still and waited as the guards passed by. That was close, Pimpkin said. How do they know that you helped me? Claudia asked. Hmm, I don't know. The magic of my grotto only works when I'm around. Maybe the cats came back sniffing after we fled. Maybe they smelt us. They continued along the path for another hour, and then Pimpkin stopped, looking at a group of hills that lay right in front of them. Oh, we nearly made it, he said. The high fields lie right behind those hills. Welcome back, listeners. I'm just about to fill the machine with some new ideas. You can't see it, but this cool new wooden shelf takes up most of the back wall. Dozens of colored glass bottles holding hundreds of ideas. Turns out I have some skills with the butterfly net and I'm quite a successful idea fisher after all. Well, here you go, marble machine. Thanks for listening and supporting our podcast. For all you listeners who don't know yet, we have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash themarblemachine. Every little contribution counts, guys. Don't forget to check out our website for news and behind-the-scenes material. And as always, hear us soon and be on the lookout for the next marble we'll drop.